it is such a sweet presence of God that we feel in this building and I feel like God has given me something for this church last time I was here I felt very strong that the word that I gave um, talking about Job um, was for this church at that moment and um, last night we got in about eight Psalms chapter 73 um, last night we got in about eight got into the hotel and I had a, a scripture and a story and that was it but I knew those two things were important so then I began to pray and sat in the hotel room and asked the Lord to give direction and I feel like God has given me nothing deep but something for you and so that is my goal it is so good to see friends and familiar faces and new faces it's good to be with the chances I don't know if you realize or understand or value what it is to have great leadership like you do and you are blessed at CLC to have this family lead and guide you into the depths that God has for this community and this church. I love the chances. They have been good to us. They believed in me when not everybody maybe would. And I've always, will always appreciate that. There's a handful of men and ministers that loved me when I felt unlovable. And he was one of them. And Sister Chance, it is a joy and a privilege to just be here and to spend time with the family love them so much. They are wonderful people. Psalms chapter 73. In fact, I know you probably normally read for your, your stand for your reading, but I have a lengthy reading. So let's pray and then I'm going to let you sit down and we're going to start preaching while we read the Bible. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, bless this service. Thank you for what we've already felt. felt. Thank you, God, for being the same God, for fear being removed, and for freedom being replaced, and joy and strength. Thank you for worship. Thank you for what we feel. Bless this word. Anoint our hearts and let us receive what thus says the word of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 73, you can be seated. I'm just going to read it for a second. Um, and then we'll, we'll continue to preach and and believe God for something great today. And um, he's not finished. He's not finished. Truly, truly, God is good to Israel. To those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, the psalmist said, my feet almost slipped or almost lost my footing, my Feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw the, them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and so strong. They don't have trouble like other people. They're, they're not coming to the house of God. They're not living for God. And all of a sudden, man, they're just living the good life. Facebook looks like everything's perfect. 
and everything's great. He said, I'm over here struggling, and I'm having a hard time. He said, they're not, they don't have trouble. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. He said, they wear pride like jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. He said, it's a New Living Translation, so just bear with me. He said, these fat cats, these fat cats have everything their heart could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. Sounds familiar? This does not sound like the world we live in, where we cancel and destroy and bring down anybody, especially those that are trying to live for God, crush others. They, they boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth, the Bible says. And so the people are dismayed and confused. They're drinking in all of their words, and they ask this question, what does God know? Does the Most High even know what is happening on this earth? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And the psalmist says, did I keep my heart in vain or pure for nothing? He said, did I keep my innocence for no reason? He said, I get nothing but trouble all the day long. Every morning brings me pain. Every morning pain, every Issue is a, an issue. He said, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. He said, so I, I tried for the chance. I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But he said, oh, what a difficult task that is. Then I went into the house of God. And he said, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. That's a pretty heavy scripture. So I want to just for a moment speak to you on three feet from gold. Look at your neighbor and say three feet from gold. The fairy tales of our childhood really do a lot of disservice for us. The reality is most of the fairy tales that are on Disney and Disney Plus and Netflix or whatever, even in our children's books, most of these fairy tales have misled us because life does not always have a happily ever after. When, when the unexplainable begins to descend upon our lives and the chaos and the issues and the struggles begin to bombard our current existence. It's, it is a reality that our response and our minds begin to say and wonder, what on earth is God doing in my life? Where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God when I'm struggling? Where is God when I'm in pain? We have these moments. The writer of Psalm 73, been through enough life to understand and be bewildered and even have moments of bitterness that 
falls upon him. And in our text that we read, he's feeling abandoned and he's feeling alone and he's in some form of despair from the cruel circumstances. And he begins to ask some really pointed questions to himself and to anyone that will listen. He says, does God really know what's going on down here? I know it's quiet. You're going to shout. Just don't worry. No fear. Think about it. The life is, is, I'm sick in my body. I've got struggles in my mind. I've got family problems. And I'm sitting down here saying, does God even, does, does he, hello, hello, joy. Sometimes I'm just like, hello, I'm down here. Um, and I'm really having a rough time over here. I'm, I'm really struggling. God, do you, did, did we like, did my, did I not pay my AT&T to heaven bill and I'm, I've lost some kind of connection and I'm like down here going, hello. You know, I mean, get the, the flares out and right here, God, I'm struggling. Does, I mean, does he, does he even hear what's going on? Surely if he knew what was happening in my family and if he knew what was happening in my situation if he knew he was going to come down and and he then he begins to ask some more questions he says have I been wasting my time living for God this is this is the reality of real world biblical people he said why do I take the trouble to be so pure and to live the life that God is calling perhaps God doesn't really care and and he even says this pastor he says have I kept the faith in vain is this all been for nothing what's the use of it anyway I, I'm just my everybody else is having fun on Facebook and they're going out partying and I'm sitting here staying in in the things of God and being faithful and and I'm just having a rough time and it seems like everybody else is having fun and I'm over here just battling it out one moment at a time one step at a time we don't we don't know Chase, what all had happened to the psalmist in Psalm 73, we don't know everything had happened, but we do know that he simply could not, church, understand the prosperity of the wicked and the hardship of those that are living for God. It didn't fit in his mind. He could not wrap himself around the idea that goodness and good fortune didn't go together. I, I tell the church in New Orleans all the time, one of the biggest problems with Christianity is we've convinced people that if you live for God, it's all easy. And so when it's not easy, what do we do? We abandon God. Well, God, I, I came to church three times a week. I paid my tithes, and I'm still having problems, so it must be in vain. And, and the psalmist couldn't get his mind around that. And he said, goodness and, and, and good fortune must go together, and wickedness and suffering must go together. And so this is not fitting into my mind, and it's not making sense. And the psalmist finally gets to the point, he says, if, if this is how it's going to be, then keeping the faith was a waste of my time. And it caused the psalmist church to come face to face with one of life's most challenging questions that I want to speak to you. And it's this, how do I keep going when I want to quit? He had nothing going right and everybody else 
had everything going right. They were prospering. He was struggling. They were happy. He was not. They were healed and not sick, and he was dealing with it. And he come to the question, how do I keep going when I want to quit? What did the psalmist do, church, when all of that heaviness was upon him and all of that insanity was upon him and all of that chaos and all of those questions about God and things and life and purpose and situation and his perspective was all out of whack, if we would say it that way, and his life was upside down. So what did he do? Did he go to social media and start looking at everybody else and saying, well, maybe they're better than me? Did he open up his Capital One or Chase.com bank account and savings account and start putting his life on it, on those things? Did, did, he, did he go to his job and say, well, that must be where I lean and put my strength on? What did he do? Look, you're not going to believe what he did. Because it's not in Dave Ramsey's book. It's not on Forbes.com. It's not going to be in the Wall Street Journal. It will definitely not be on Fox News, CNN, and it will not be in the New York Times. But you know what he did? He didn't go back to his old life. He didn't go back to his money. And he didn't go back to his stuff. You know what he did? He went to church. What do you do when you feel like quitting? You don't quit, and you just keep coming to church. That's it. I told you it wasn't deep. We can all swim in these waters. You don't even need a life vest. This is not deep. The secret of life is not what you have. Because... I heard, I think it was T.D. Jake say this, the reason the enemy is so consumed with having you love your stuff is because he can affect your stuff, he can't affect the blesser. He can affect the blessings, he can affect your finances, your job, your health, he can do all of those, he cannot affect the one that blesses you. So the secret to life is not what you have, but it's whose you are. Who has us? That determines, church, what you become. So I've come to tell this church, this is what God told me to tell you. It may be for one, it may be for everybody, but no matter what the situation, what the circumstance, what the trial, please, please don't quit. Whatever the situation you may be dealing with, whatever heartache and hardship you may be going to, I can just tell you this. Stay in the church. Keep coming on Wednesday. Keep coming to prayer. Keep coming on Wednesdays and Sundays and Mondays. And if they have it on Tuesday and they have it on Thursday, keep teaching Sunday school class. Keep lifting your hands. Keep being faithful. Just keep showing up. Because the psalmist said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, my feet almost slipped. But when I got into the house, house of God. He said, I saw where they're heading and I understood where I'm heading. So yes, they may be heading in this prosperity, but I'm heading to Jesus. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we have the famous, the, the, the Passover, right? The Passover, which was their last moment before they exited out of Egypt, right? And in that moment, God told him two simple things. He told him this. He said to put some blood on the door and don't go outside. Eat the lamb. Stay in the house. Put the blood on the door. 
You want to know some deep things? Stay under the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter what you're going through, keep applying the blood. You fell down, get back up and apply the blood. You messed up today, get back up and apply the blood. You had a failure, get back up and apply the blood. You're falling apart, get back up and apply the blood. And not only apply the blood, but stay in the house. Don't get out the church. You got to, hey, let me tell you, this church and any church may look like it's battered and the world may say it's no valuable and it has no value and it's old fashioned, but this old ship of Zion is going to go on and move on. It may be battered and it may be bruised, but it's still the church. All right. Why stay in the church? What did the psalmist get in Psalm 73 when he got into the house of God? You know what he got? Number one, when you, get, when you commit to not quit and stay in the church, you understand that the present is not permanent. He went into that sanctuary to meditate, and he thought about the future of these evil men, and he said, oh, what a slippery path they're on. Before the church, he was saying, look at them. They're blessed, and they're prospering. They have no problems, and everything seems good. And then he got in the church, and all of a sudden, he got revelation that the present is not permanent. There's an old saying that says, this too shall pass. But if you give up on God, you'll walk alone for the rest of your life. Your problem, your trial, your situation, your sickness, your frustration, your heartache, your pain, all of that. If you'll just keep coming to the house of God, you'll get a fresh revelation that this present is not permanent. Life is a slippery path, and what looks like success at some times may actually be failure. Because the present is not permanent. So that's what I want to tell you. Whatever your present situation is, it's not permanent. Because your future, your new horizon, your next day is in the hands of Jesus Christ. God is faithful, the Bible says. If he starts a good work, he will complete it. I just want to encourage you today on this Sunday morning, when you get into the house of God and you commit to not quitting on the church, when you walk in, you get fresh perspective that the present is not permanent. The second thing you get when you get into the house of God, you get this, that the promises of God are adequate. Out of the bitterness and all the chaos that engulfed the writer in Psalms, he finally gets to the understanding that, oh, wait, you love me. You're holding my, he said, you're holding my right hand. You're going to keep guiding me all the days of my life. And so in a world, church, of uncertainty and in a world that nothing seems to be stable and nothing you can hang your hat on, you must come to the same conclusion that the psalmist did in Psalm 73 when he said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing that I desire besides me. 
beside you. There is nothing that, that is out there in this world that can hold on to you or can sustain you like Jesus. And so when you're going through all the chaos, you've got to come to the realization his promises are adequate. He's for me and not against me. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could even ask or think. There's an old song that says, my God is more than enough to supply all my needs. You need to get a fresh revelation that though the devil maybe throwing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker you're just saying i'm getting up walking back into the house of god and understanding that my present is not permanent and my god's promises are adequate he'll never leave me nor forsake me the third thing you learn when you walk into the house of god you learn you can trust him There ain't much you can trust in life. I don't want to get political because I don't know where you stand, but I'm going to give you a revelation. It's hard to trust any politician. You can put whatever um, animal attached to their name that you so choose to, but it's hard. Now, there's great ones out there. You know that. It's hard to trust people sometimes. Anybody ever been hurt? You know why you've been hurt? Because you probably hurt others. Because that's just the nature of life. The reality is, this is the generation we live in. Look, I'm going to take a picture of y'all. Look, you're in the back, right in the back. People look out for self. I heard someone say the other day, I've never seen anybody take a selfie at the altar. Just a thought. It's, it's hard to trust people. We've been through a lot, me and my wife. We've told y'all a lot of those stories. Um lost friends and you know we we've been hurt we've hurt done it both been on both sides of that coin it's a two-sided coin that we've all probably experienced been on it and it's hard sometimes to trust people put your guard up Toby you kind of you know I have a friend he always tells me he says I love everybody because the Bible tells me to love everybody he said but I don't like them all <clears throat> so so he'll come to me and he'll shake my hand and be like, I like you. And I'll be like, I know I like you too. Because <laughs> there's a book called People Are Pitiful and you're one. Because you're a people, in case you forgot. <laughs> like it's just life. You know, it's hard to trust people. It's hard to trust in the economy. It's, it's challenging to trust in your jobs and you know, jobs aren't loyal and people aren't loyal to jobs. It's just, a, it's just a culture we live in, in a transient culture where people move and go and change, and that's just life. Life is just challenging. I'm 40, I don't even know what, 44? I don't even know. Look, that's sad. I'm 40-something. I'm I'll be 40-something else in April. Um, and 
and it's challenging. You know, you come into the, to life and it's people let you down, pulpit to pew. That's just how it happens. People are people. God chose preaching, the foolishness. He even admitted it's the foolishness of preaching. I don't think the word's foolish, so the only thing I'm left to remind myself is the person doing the preaching has to be the foolish part. You know, that's me. Because we make mis- people human, humanity, as the ups and downs. And, but when you just make a commitment to staying in the church no matter what, you start understanding that your present is not permanent. His promises are adequate. And you can trust him. Him. Because the Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I heard Brother Tenney say this, when you can't track him, you trust him. Meaning you can't find him. You can't see how you're going to get out of this situation. He's not answering the prayer. I told Pastor, I said, we've been praying some specific prayers in our own lives. But we're, we're the type of people that when we say we want to hear from God, we literally mean we want to hear from God. You know, a lot of people are like, well, God told me to do this. And it's not really. They just, that's what they wanted to do, right? That's just human nature. But, and so there are times you can't, I, I don't know, I'm praying and I'm asking for some clarity. I'm asking God for healing. I'm asking God for direction. I'm asking God for peace. And I'm, and, and I, and I'm struggling and I don't, I don't get the answers that I want, but I, and I can't track you. I can't find you on an app. And I can't look at the weather map and find the radar of where you're located. But I'm just going to trust you. So I'm going to keep coming back to the house of God. And that's what God told me to tell this church. For whatever reason, this is exactly what I felt. Keep marching. If Jericho, the Israelites, would have stopped on the sixth day, it would have been a lack, uh, just a, an exercise of exercise. They would have just did some six-day marching, but they kept marching they kept marching when it didn't make sense they kept marching when they didn't know if it was even going to work they just kept marching and i come to tell this church just keep going whatever you're doing and whatever you're going through just keep going don't quit don't throw in the towel don't don't walk away because of what's going on around you just keep marching there's a story about a man that him and his nephew decided they got the gold fever. This is probably a story many of you have maybe heard. And they, they got the gold fever, and they went to find some gold west. And so they went and they dug to go get rich. They had never heard that more gold had been mined from the brains of men that had been taken from the earth, but they just kept digging. He staked the claim, and he went to work, and he picked up a shovel, and he began to dig. They staked the claim out west, and they began to dig and dig and dig. And, and, and finally, they, they had weeks and weeks of labor, and the story says they discovered some shiny little ore. And they, they knew they needed a little more equipment to get that ore out, to get all that out. So, so they went back home, and they, they brought that little bit of ore, and they went back home, and they, they, they went to their friends, and they went to their family, and 
They begin to show them just, just very select few people. They went back to Maryland. They begin to tell them, look, we, we finally, we struck gold. So we just need a little help. And they got together some money, the story says. And they got some machinery. And they got all the equipment. And the uncle and, and the nephew went back to work. And, and they, they, they started drilling and digging. And the first car of ore was mined. And they, they shipped it to a smelter, the story says. And it proved to be a rich mine. And they, they were all excited a few more of these uh, digging and a few more of this work and a little bit longer all of a sudden we're going to get all the money paid back we're going to make a lot of money this is going to be a a gold story and we're going to get rich and all of our problems are going to go away and and all of a sudden they just went down the drill and they started drilling and up went the hopes of the uncle and his nephew of they were going to be rich and all their problems were going to be great and then all of a sudden something happened the story says the the little vein of gold they were drilling in, it just disappeared. And there was no gold. And they dug a little bit and couldn't find any more gold. And they dug a little bit, couldn't find any more gold, and they got frustrated. You know what they did? They stopped drilling. They gave up. They threw in the towel. They said, that's enough. And they had an old junkyard man bought the machinery and went to the claim, and the uncle and his nephew went back to Maryland frustrated and annoyed that they had missed out on their great moment. And all of a sudden, the story says that junk man went back down. He hired somebody, an expert, to come in, and they begin to look at the mine, and, and the junkyard man and the expert for the mining said, look, I think what you need to do, that vein just shifted a little bit, and you need to dig a little bit this way, and you, you dig a little bit this way, you'll find the gold. And the story is the man went down and he dug three feet further than the nephew and the uncle. And when he dug three feet further, guess what he found? He found gold. Church, that's how you respond to the chaos of life. You just keep coming to church. You just keep worshiping when you don't feel like worshiping. You keep praying when you don't feel like praying. You keep being faithful because you might be three feet away from your breakthrough. You may have rolled out of bed as they get ready to end and we get ready to close out. You may have rolled out of bed and you may have thought it's just going to be another Sunday and I'm just going to do my church thing. But when you rolled out the bed and you put one foot on the floor and you begin to make your way to the house of God, it could be your day that you've been waiting for. Keep believing your body's going to be healed as we all stand. Keep praying for that lost loved one. Keep worshiping in spite of all that you've been through. Keep loving the unlovable, reaching the unreachable, and believing for the unbelievable. Lisa, I didn't know everything going on. But I'm believing for the unbelievable. Because you know what? Three feet could make all the difference. Because you know what? Three feet made all the difference in the psalmist's life. He was about to slip. But he took one more step. And he crossed the threshold into the church. His life was changed forever. He rolled out of bed this morning. It may have seemed like another day. But it could be the day of breakthrough and deliverance. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from anger and hurt and pain. 
this could be the day you finally find healing for your body. Because you just keep coming. You just keep marching. In 1983, there was a plane, a Korean airliner, took off from New York City and was headed, headed to Anchorage, Alaska. And then it was going to leave Anchorage, Alaska and head to Seoul, Korea. It landed in Anchorage and it began to take off again. And when it took off, there was an error about one degree in a flight plan. And that one degree made a huge difference and had a huge impact on that flight and the fate of 269 people that were on that plane. Because that one degree difference caused Korean Flight 007 to accidentally fly into Russian airspace in 1983. And the Russians thought it was an invading plane and it was shot down by Soviet fighter pilots. And all 269 people died. Because one degree makes a difference. 211 degrees is hot water. 212 is boiling water. And it creates steam. And steam creates power. And it's powered many of machinery over our historic in our world because one degree makes a difference so I've come to this church on this Sunday morning that one step of faith that you're about to take could make all the difference so I am I'm going to open these altars I'm beyond the COVID I told the church in New Orleans I said the pandemic is over I mean, Biden said it in, 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 in November to uh, Peter Nelly or whatever in CBS. The House voted that they're going to end it. And I think it's supposed to, the executive order is supposed to be over in March or whatever, May. So I said, but I don't mean the health pandemic. I mean the pandemic of fear. Fear and worry and doubt and frustration. So I want to open these altars. This is what I felt. I may have dropped the ball delivering it. Hey, that's okay. It, it's an imperfect human. That's part of it. I am flawed and imperfect, but I, yes, I won't leave. I felt I want to pray for her. Can I get, I don't know any of your methodologies, so I'm just going to make them my methodologies. How about that? Come help me, Chase. This looks like anointing oil, is it? Okay. I want you to take this. Is there any, uh, do you have any other ministerial team? Come help me. If you're here today and you've been battling all kind of stuff and you just want to make the commitment to say, you know what, in spite of what I'm going through, I'm not walking, I'm not walking away, but I'm walking too. I want you to step out from where you are. I want you to take that one degree of step, that three feet to gold could be your day. I want healing in my body. I want deliverance for my family. I want to be whole in my mind. I'm not quitting. I'm not, come on, step up and get to these fronts and lift your hands. Church, if you could help me find somebody and pray with them. I can't pray with everybody. It's not possible. But I want you to get as close to these altars as you can. I want you to lift your hands. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel today. Oh, no. I'm coming to church. I'm going to keep teaching Sunday school. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep giving. Keep coming.